I would say I'm driven more by knowing that I get better every day. Welcome to the Competitive Mindset Podcast. Each interview, we talk to leaders who differentiate themselves and achieve high levels of performance through the lens of motivation, competitiveness, and mindset. These conversations lead to thought-provoking idea sharing and growth accompanied by entertaining storytelling. Welcome along on our journey to lifelong learning, improved performance, and a look inside the competitive mindset. The Greatest Games Podcast interviews coaches of all levels about the greatest games they have ever been a part of. Chris and Brian post two episodes per week that explore these great games and also takes a dive into each coach's journey and some lessons that they have learned along the way. Catch The Greatest Games Podcast on all podcast platforms as well as thegreatestgames.podbean.com. Zoe Shiroli is a hitter for the University of Wisconsin Green Bay from Athens, Greece. She is driven by constantly improving and exploring new cultures where she can dive into diversity. Tell me a little bit about your journey through your life and how you got to UW-Green Bay. Okay, so I'm originally from Albania. It's a small country in Europe, and then I was born and raised in Greece, so I've lived there for my whole life. I've been playing volleyball since I was 12 years old, so now it would be around eight years I've been playing volleyball. And I've always played in the same team in Greece. I've never changed a volleyball team. And then I came here two years ago in UWGB to study mechanical engineering and to play collegiate volleyball. So when you were growing up playing in Greece, you mentioned you never changed volleyball clubs. Is that a common thing in Greece? I would say that a lot of girls change teams every year. Like it depends on how the team is doing or if they have offers from other teams to play and they can get paid also. So I would just never change because I was good where I was and I really liked my coach and everything was well. Is your club a situation where you work your way up through playing amateur level and then eventually there's a pro team like at the top of your club? Is that correct? Yes. Like we have four categories you can play at or like more, but I'm aware of the four ones. Like the one is the top one, the top league. And then we have pre-league, then we have the third category, and then the fourth one, which was where my club team was at. You haven't played professionally yet, you know, as an amateur, just receiving, you know, general costs. So can you tell me about your motivation to come to the States and play volleyball at the university here? Well, I never thought I was able to do that. Like, I knew girls that did that, and I thought that you could only come here once you finish high school. But I came here one year after I finished high school which was kind of a weird thing to do. But yeah, I just got the offer. I knew that coaches from the U.S. were looking for girls to come here and play volleyball. And I was like, this is a big opportunity, so I would never let that go. And I just started doing the um, process and everything I had to do to come here. And my motivation behind that was I needed and I wanted to get a good diploma from college because I know that in Europe, at least, to have a school degree from the America is just very big and you can get like very good job offers. And then I really wanted to play collegiate volleyball and to see the, this whole experience. Pretty late. It wasn't like something you started at 12 and at like 14 or 15, you kind of had your eye on. So from that age of 12 to 18, what was your reason for playing? 
I just really love playing and the feeling of like when you get, when you play on the court and you have all these people, like your family, your friends and people that you don't know cheering for you when you play. It's just a feeling that you don't really get to experience doing, by doing something else. So I really like that. Also having like a second family um, as my global team, it was great to play with people that have different backgrounds, different preferences. It was just something different. Do you remember the first time you played in a competitive volleyball match? And can you tell me a little bit about what you remember about that? I don't really have a lot of memories from when I started playing, but the one that I remember, like it was when I was 15 years old or 14. And it was my first time playing at the under 19 team in my club. And it was a final four competition. So there were four, the four best teams in Athens, like the city. And then I just played in the semifinals for like two or three points. And that was just it. But I remember thinking, what am I going to do now? Like, I just never played before in such a competitive environment. And there were so many people in the bleachers. I was like so nervous. But my coach knew that I could give something in the team. And I just had to believe that myself too. So I just went in there. I played those two, three points. And then at the finals, the next day, he started me. So I was very excited about that. And I just plugged everything outside of the court and I just played. You hit on two things I want to touch on. The nerves is one thing, is how you overcame that. So can you tell me those nerves and those feelings that you have, why they were there and what they were coming from? Yeah, so I would say it's from inexperience because I've never played before. And it's like, as I said, in such a competitive environment. So I never knew what to expect. The other team was so good. They were more experienced than me. Also, my teammates were more experienced than me. And I just didn't know how I could help them. And that was one reason why I was so nervous. I just didn't know my abilities. I would say that more. And I was just afraid that I would I might make any mistakes and I would let down my teammates. So you mentioned tunnel vision in there. So with the tunnel vision aspect, did you learn that from somewhere? Or did that come natural to you to be able to block out that external noise, if you will? Yeah, um, I think it just came naturally. I've never really took that from anyone else. Like, I've never talked with people about that. So it just, I just did. It just happened. So as you can tell, I keep asking about this tunnel vision. I am fascinated by it, and I have my own experiences, which people don't want to hear about. They want to hear about your experiences with it. So with that tunnel vision during a match, what are the things that you are experiencing, whether it's visually auditory with your ears or emotionalized and then what things are you aware that you're blocking out that you don't want to have as interference the cheers from the blue chair is just a background noise i just don't really pay attention to it and then i mostly focus with my eyes on the ball and the, on the opposing team and then i really focus on my breathing so sometimes I'm just trying to internalize everything and just think of myself and how I'm feeling right now. Like when I'm passing, because that's how it starts every time, I just have my hands on my legs. So maybe just grounding myself on the floor, that helps. So that's a mental cue from you with your hands and also your breathing. Where did you learn that from? I mostly, like, I saw how people, other girls were waiting when they were passing and I just started incorporating that on what I should do. And then for my breathing, I don't really know how it happened. I think it just, as I said before, it came naturally. 
So are you someone, when you're not playing volleyball, you enjoy watching volleyball matches, or are you only consumed by it when you're participating in it? I would say I'm more consumed by participating in it. I'm not really a big fan, like I'm like watching on the TV and things like that. I don't really do that, to be honest. I think, my personal belief, it's a generational thing. A lot of players your age and a little bit older and younger don't necessarily watch as much anymore because highlight videos are available, right? Do you watch highlight videos of, of matches? Yeah, well, it's it's just the way of the world with social media, and so that's just the way it goes. So I have heard through the grapevine that you speak three languages. Is this correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I do. So what are those three languages? So I speak Albanian, Greek, and English. So in your home growing up, I assume it was Albanian and Greek, or was there English involved in your home as well? No, no, my parents don't really know how to speak English, so Albanian and Greek were the two languages. So I'm fascinated by people who learn more than one language. Can you tell me if in your family you were going in and out of Albanian and Greek, or were there certain times where you used one language over the other? My parents mostly talk in Albanian, like between them and to us, because I also have two older sisters. They always talk to us in Albanian. But me and my sisters, we always talked in Greek. And I responded in Greek to my parents. And is that, did they learn Greek because of that? Well, they knew how to talk because they came in Greece like way back, like in 1994 or something like that. So they knew before that. When and how did you learn English? It's like a thing in Greece that you we have English courses in in school, middle school, elementary. I'm not sure how it goes. So I started around eight years old to learn. And then I went to a private school also for eight years. Okay, awesome. Do you think that knowing multiple languages helps your ability to learn other things in life? And if so, how? Yeah, I think so, because, like, if you go to that country, you can easily talk and converse with the people of that country there and just learn more about the culture and how people um, work there. But also, if you meet other people in, like, here, I met some people from Greece, I met some people from Albania, and I can just talk to them and feel more connected to them because we share, like, the same language and same country. So you just hit on the word culture a little bit. Can you talk to me about when you first came to UW-Green Bay and a light bulb moment or an aha moment where something happened that you didn't visualize or preconceive that would happen in the United States or at university playing volleyball? I've been playing volleyball for a lot of years. So at some point, I never realized that I just went through the motions and I never really... I felt like I was just doing it to do it, and I didn't really feel a lot about it. Like, I started playing because I love it, but at some point it just stopped being that. And then when I came here, I saw the girls cheering and being enthusiastic, which was way different than what I was used to back in Greece. So I just realized that I stopped loving what I was doing, and I just going through the motions. And I don't know, it felt unsettling, so I just started finding joy in the small things to start again and love volleyball. What were those small things that you found joy in? Being on the court, realizing that that's not something you get to have every day. Like, especially with COVID, I got to understand that. To be grateful for that, be 
be grateful for my teammates and the culture we have in the team and also be grateful for my coaches because they've helped me a lot. So you mentioned in there the enthusiasm on the bench or with your teammates playing different than in Greece. Can you walk me through how a bench would act in Greece during a match and then contrast that with what you've experienced here in the States? So when we've had games that were not really important, I would say, like they were not Final Fours, they were not championships, um, the girls were just sitting on the bench. I would see like most of the times conversing. And I also did that. Like we were conversing between us and we never really paid attention to what was going on the court sometimes. And we like when we gained a point, we just came all together and that was it. And when we lost lost a point, we never came back together in the circle. We never did that. Just everyone went into their positions right away. But here, like everyone is on their feet. They are cheering every point. Even if we lose a point, we come together and we say, that's okay, let's go. We got the next point, which was something very different. And I really like that change. Can you tell me about the first time you experienced that, like, okay, you guys scored a point and you came together and you were like, what is going on? This is different than everything I knew. Can you talk me through kind of what was going through your brain? I just went with it. Like, I just went with the flow. At first, like, I I saw the girls coming in together and I was like, oh, okay, that's what we do here. Okay, just go with it. And it was like, it helped me to get to the next point easier because I knew that they had my back and they supported me even though I made a mistake. So, yeah, I thought that, okay, that's a pleasant change. I can adjust to that. But it was just different because I'm like a quiet person. I don't really get extremely enthusiastic when I get a point. The girls just made me kind of do that and start being more enthusiastic, which was a nice change for myself. You mentioned like conversing on the bench. So in Greece, would you be seated in the chairs when you were on the bench? Yeah, except if we had a championship or a Final Four, we would be on our feet. Really? That's interesting that each match was different depending on how important that it was. I will just share a quick story with you. So right now, obviously because of COVID, you know the benches are spread out. I don't know if you've you know been to a game over at the event center yet when like the men's or women's basketball team have been playing. But it's interesting because now that the benches are spread out the way they were, the basketball players are standing up a lot more and they're cheering for each other. Whereas in the past, they're like, you're bench had traditionally been chairs in a row right and they are all sitting there and they wouldn't cheer as much and for years volleyball players in the states in america have always stood at the end of the bench and i never really understood why until now because it helps you stay more engaged in the game and i I really appreciate that and i think it's really cool that you were able to identify that and and see that difference but also work through a little bit of you know what i'll call culture shock with that being something entirely foreign to you but feeling comfortable enough to go with the flow of your teammates and kind of work through it and and understand how it works for them and for you let's talk about success can you talk to me a little bit about how success has changed by what it means to you over the course of your life so when i was younger i always thought that success meant winning games and taking trophies and things like that because that's what I only knew. But when I came here, I realized that it's just more than that. It still is like winning games because that just means that you're um, practicing and all the effort you put in just has results. But it's more than that. It's also the process of getting there, like getting better every day, improving with each practice, learning to be okay with making mistakes and getting better from that. Now let's talk about winning and losing. Are you driven by the joy of winning or the fear of losing when you are taking on a task or in a competition? 
I don't think I'm driven by either of these because they both have some weak points. I would say I'm driven more by knowing that I get better every day and with the vision of myself. Like, I have a vision of myself being very good at volleyball at some point, and that's what drives me more. Because I, like, when I was younger, I, I played with the fear of losing, and that just didn't really let me have my full potential. If you play with the joy of winning, you just lose sight of what's more important, I think. Can you remember when that switch occurred from the fear to the joy and, and why it occurred? I don't think it was a specific point. It was just the process. So by the years, I just realized that there was no point of playing with the fear of losing because you will lose some at some point. You, can, you can't always win. So just accepting that and moving from that, it was a long process, but I think I made through it. You just talked about the process and continually striving for improvement. Can you tell me about your why and what it is and, and how you got to determining what your why is? We've been talking about it a lot with our team through the, um, this year. And I think my why is proving right and being proud of myself, like making myself proud. Because as I said, I, I really have a vision of myself of how I want to be in the future, volleyball-wise and non-volleyball-wise. So getting there is just my why. It does make perfect sense. Thank you. You said that very well. So you talked about your degree as mechanical engineering, correct? Mm-hmm. What is your vision for what that will entail in the future? So I want at some point to have my own office, but at first I want to work in a company where I can get experience from people that know this field of work and get to know things. And I don't know if that means that I'm going to stay here in the U.S. or if I'm going to go back to Europe. I'm not really sure about that yet. I'm really curious about how you came to determine that field of study. So I always thought that I was going into the humanities field because that's what both of my sisters went through in high school in Greece. When I was 15 years old, I had a math teacher that she really made me love mathematics. And I just fell in love right away with math. And then I just knew I had to go in the science field. And then around at the end of high school, I started really liking chemistry. So that's how I decided to go into mechanical engineering. Whether it's your schoolwork or working out uh, with volleyball, and there's a day that you just don't feel like it. You don't have the energy or you're mentally not prepared for it. What are some tools that you use to help work yourself through that in how to find motivation in order to accomplish whatever you need to accomplish that day? Yeah, I think that there are a lot of those days in um, an athlete's life. And at first, I just accept that it's happening and I try not to feel guilty about it. Because, I mean, it's bound to happen at some point. You can always have the will to do things. But after that, I just try to find the motivation. As I said before, like my motivation is getting better every day. So I try to focus on that and focus on the little things that I can do better that day. Because focus on one thing per day, it just makes things easier and makes my brain be like calmer. Can you give me an example of a little thing or two little things that you can focus on each day? Yeah, um, when it has to do with lift in the morning, I just find an exercise like in cleans, like my technique being faster or getting onto the bar quicker. That's just some little things that I can focus each day. Did you lift with your club in Greece? Not really. It was just such a big change when I came here. Um, I never really lifted before and here it's a big thing. So 
I was nervous about that. And I'm not really, like, I am skinny, so I didn't know how it would go. But our athletic trainer really helped me with that, like, adjusting my weights um, on my potential and my body weights and everything. So it really helped. So you mentioned earlier, like, kind of getting over and understanding the breakthrough of the cultural difference with, like, cheering in a match. But, like, how things work in the weight room can you talk to me about that experience and your learning curve for that we each had like every player has their own schedule of weights so it really helps with getting better every day and like getting up in weights and then it was different because the girls really cheered every time you got like a higher weight or you had your pr or your max that day and they really felt like the joy you felt getting that. So they supported you. Like I said, it was not that thing at all when I was back in Greece. So it was a pleasant change. I was real fearful, like I said, because I've never had done weights before. But I grew up and gradually I was better at it. Do you see the benefit in the weight training? And, and how has it assisted you with your performance? Yeah, it really has benefited me because I've seen I have more power behind my attacks. I can jump higher. I can move faster. So it really has upgraded my playing on the court. We'll talk about nutrition, but not in the sense that you're going to think about here. So a little bit about me. I lived in Australia for a period of time and I lived right down the street from the Greek community and I loved the food. Knowing and understanding it is not nearly as good as it would be in Greece. So let's talk about food for a second. What is your favorite Albanian dish? Albanians don't really have a lot of traditional dishes because I'll say something about history. They were like under Turkey empowerment for 500 years. So they have a lot of Turkish culture in them. So the dish that I really like is like um, a dessert that is called baklava, which is mostly Turkish. It's also Albanian and Greek. It's like a Mediterranean dessert, if you've heard of it. Okay. Now tell me about your favorite Greek dish. I would say it's pastizio. It's um, like a dish with pasta. It's like a little thicker than the ones you have here. And then they have minced meat on top with some kind of cream cheese. It's really good. I'm going to definitely have to look into that. All right. So then what's the favorite American food or dish that you've had or discovered since you've been over in the States? I really like, um, how are they called? Cheese curds. I really like those. (laughs) I really like cheese. So yeah. You're in the right state to be loving cheese curds. That's for sure. Yeah, that's true. When I heard that Wisconsin is really famous about their cheese, I was really happy about that. All right, we're going to finish with one fun question. If you could have one superhero power, what would it be and what would you do with that superhero power? So I think I would like to fly because I really like to observe people and I love traveling. So being able to fly would give me the power to do both. All right, you just you just said travel and you, you hit a buzzword for me. So where do you want to travel to? Where's a place that you have a passion to go travel to? I really want to go to Italy a lot. Also, I really want to go around all Greek islands because there are a lot of islands there and the Netherlands. Well, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Can you sign off and say goodbye in Greek for us? <laughs> yes, thank you for having me. So I'll say bye in Greek, which is yes, 
next time on Competitive Mindset. Growing up in everything that we did, it was a competition. Competitive Mindset Music was produced by DJ Jojo Moore, and all images were created by Elena Keel. Be sure to subscribe, rate, leave a review, and follow us at Competitive Pod.